0: No Welcome to another episode of No Challenges Remaining. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined as always by my dear friend Courtney Nguyen. Hi Courtney. Hello. We are right on the precipice of the Australian Open. Leaning over the edge of this cliff into Grand Slam season, ready to take the plunge? Yep. That's the kind of enthusiasm I've come to know and expect from you, really, I think. I'm tired.
1: Let's go. Let's get the season started for real.
0: All right. So the draw ceremony happened on Friday. And before we get into the really granular, more granular look at the draw, what your was your overall impression of how things went down?
1: The WTA could not have asked for a better draw. It's the most balanced slam draw I can remember yeah. um, for the women, uh, which is great. And and all that you can really hope for is that the, the, in a lot of ways that the seeds hold and that we get the fourth round and quarterfinal matches that are projected So um, with the seeding. So that was great. And, and in that way, I'm really looking forward to the women's draw more so than normal, even though I know Serena's the favorite and I, I do believe that she's going to win it. But I think that there's going to be some great matches and storylines based on that draw. The men's draw was just incredibly disappointing just because of how unbalanced it is. And it's something that, that we've been seeing more and more, I think, from the men's side, simply because so long as David Ferrer is a top-four seed, it just kind of breaks things up yeah. and, and, and makes for imbalance anyway. But to have so many title contenders and big names in one half of a draw... And literally no one in the other one.
0: Except for Djokovic.
1: Except for Djokovic, obviously, who is, I think, the the favorite. It just makes I don't know, it's disappointing. You can even see that in the, the first day's order of play, which has the bottom half of the men going first. And I struggled
0: to find men's matches that were particularly gripping. I mean, it's a big opportunity and we see this every single slam. And I know we give to Feed for a hard time, but his results in the later rounds of slams have merited that, I think we would agree. And it's going to be tough. If, for some reason, Djokovic does not make the final, the final could be a disaster. There is really very There are really very few people in that bottom half who I could think of giving whoever comes out of the top half. And really, there's a pretty small number who possibly could. On the realistic list, it is Rafa, Delpo, Murray, and Federer could all theoretically make the final. Maybe you get someone like Sanga who somehow breaks through, but not with that kind of competition. I don't think he will. He could get through the bottom half. If he was in the Ferrer quarter, he'd be very happy with yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, Burdic could make the final, could, sorry, could beat Ferrer, theoretically, although he's a bad record against him. And then he could lose to Djokovic, who has a bad record against on Outdoor Hard. It's just looking like it's going to be every other day for the men. It's not going to be great. And yeah. the unevenness in terms of some of the rounds, I think we'll get a lot of good matches almost every day the top half plays, because they're going to run into each other pretty quickly, and all of the dangerous floaters are also in that top half. So that could be fun, and we'll see how it shakes out. I'm pretty excited for it. and yeah. uh, Women, too. I think a lot of the floaters run up in interesting places. Actually, especially today, some of the qualifiers, how they got placed, got kind of put in cool places, too. Some Because it, it was really briefly about qualifying. It was a very, very good qualifying for a lot of the young players who we've been looking at, knowing their names, but not knowing a lot about them on the pro level. Anna Kanya, who had a big win over Vinci. Is it Kanya?
1: It's not Kanja?
0: Kanye, it's like really? it's like a, it's like a Yugoslav name, yeah, so the J's are always. I always
1: call her Anaconda because I just think that's. It sounds like an, real it sounds Anaconda, Anaconda, and it's exactly. great. Anaconda, and the then perfect you start name. rapping like "Baby Got Back." It's awesome. My
0: Ma- Anaconda don't mean, want well, her first did. round against <laughs> Lena. That was pretty impressive. You right? did that on the fly. I'm pretty good at you know, they they used to call me Sir uh, Podcast a lot.
1: That was horrible. That, that was, was the absolute. I completely in undid In the last fifteen everybody. seconds, that was the yin and yang of Benjamin Rothenberg.
0: My wordplay. My my flow is not always so fresh. <laughs> um, yeah. So moving on from that. Yeah, Anna Konya. and also the other thing that I've been told is that the H in Kalya is not silent, which is annoying. Kalya. It's like yuh. It's like a shamaika uh, type sound. I gotcha. Kanye. Anyway, let's call it Anna. Anna K. Except for not Kornikova. Confusing. That 16-year-old that girl is playing Lena, and then in the round, the winner of that match, which presumably will be Lena, plays the winner of Belinda Bencic versus Kimiko Krum, which is a match of a 16-year-old against a 43-year-old. And I went, because I talked to them earlier in the week, so I, f- I felt not as weird asking them about this. I found Bencic's dad and asked how old her mom was, and she's only 38. So Kimiko is five years older than Belinda's mom, which does not happen a whole lot in the tennis circle.
1: Is there going to come a time, and I don't want to, like, piss on the parade or whatever, but, like, when we stop talking about how, like, Kamiko Date Krum is old? It's a good question. Because I kind of felt like, and, and obviously it's justified because she's playing Benchich, and so obviously that because of the contrast in age, um, it's going to be a thing, but good God, like, every single slam, it's always like, Kamiko Date is, like, ridiculously old and playing somebody who's, like... Not so old. Know, yeah, and it's like, yeah, okay, you know, but it, yeah. uh, on one hand, it's like, yeah, it keeps Kamiko kind of relevant, because we know she's not going to get far, and if she wins, like, one, two, three rounds, ra- I mean, two rounds, would be great here, right. obviously, because it would mean that she'd beat probably Lina, <laughs> but I don't know. I, I have a little bit of, like, Kamiko Date Krum octogenarian...
0: Exhaustion. Like, it, yeah, I'm kind of tired of it. I, t- I totally understand that. It's a kind of tired narrative. There aren't a lot of new angles on it since she came back. However, she's older than she's ever been, and she'll keep getting older as long as she keeps playing. Look at it that way.
1: Yeah, those aren't... It's. I don't know. I just... I'm, I have fatigue. I understand. I have fatigue with that narrative. So
0: that's the last we'll say about that on this episode. Thank you. You're very welcome. Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at the women's straw, because we are talking about the women. I got my Right here, I just crumpled it up into a ball. You can
1: attest to it.
0: I don't know why you did that. Because
1: it's paper, and I wanted to show off awesome sound effects.
0: Yeah, but now your jaw's all wrinkly.
1: No, but now yeah. Oh,
0: oh I'm just gonna crack a joke, but I'm not going to continue. Wrinkly like Kamikaze nope. crumb? Nope. Okay, I'm not gonna do that. Right off the bat, Serena starts against Ash Barty, which is part of the Aussie slaughter that happened in this jar. So we can just get to that all in one chunk. So that's a important narrative for the mood of this draw ceremony which weirdly was held in part of margaret Arena that was recently under renovation it's an odd atmosphere because it was all these like exposed wires and pillars and stuff they were happy to show i guess they had some progress on it and they put it there margaret
1: Arena, as an aside will one day look really really awesome i think it, the, the 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 aussie open redevelopment plan is great yeah as of right now it is an eyesore. It looks bad. Yeah. It's it's just it it's all it's like you see exposed insulation. Yeah. Like you know, silver insulation all around the outside and the roof is on but not operational.
0: It just it looks really it weird. It looks bad and what's a know, a little bit makes it worse is that where it's positioned on the ground, you can see it from a lot of places. It's unavoidable. It's really you everywhere you look, unless you're on the very far side of labor where there's only like four courts. Everywhere you look and I guess Hycons is over on that side too. Everywhere you look, you see that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it looks like, like a, a UFO landed in the middle of Melbourne Park.
0: And there's, like, a will roll with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I mean, because, like I said, it's going to look great, and this is kind of what you have to do, but it did make me kind of wonder, how the hell is the U.S. Open going to retro like redo all of its plans and yet still run a slam? Yeah. Like, you know, like Louis Armstrong and Grant Court and all that sort of stuff. It's going to be weird.
0: Yeah. So Ash Barty, 17-year-old who made... Three Grand Slam Finals and Doubles last year, doing very well. Draws Serena Williams first. This is actually interesting because she withdrew from Brisbane with an injury of her adductor muscle right before she was supposed to play Sharapova. So she moves from... And she was sad about that. Like, Legitimately, she seemed like I wanted to play her. It would have been fun. Test myself against the best. And so she gets another redo of that very quickly against Serena. Sam Soser was also in that section. Sam opens up against Clara Zakopilova, who she lost to in the Hobart semifinals. If she wins that match, she would likely get Svetana Perankova, who just won the Sydney title for her first ever WTA title. Quick sidebar, Courtney. Thoughts on Perankova winning Sydney? Awesome. Ranked
1: 107, makes it through qualifying, wins eight matches in eight days, doesn't drop a set in the main draw, and beats three top 10 players in Sarah Rani, Petra Kvitova, and Anjali Kerber. Like, we, I think, I, I wrote in. Like a little, re- a very short reaction piece on a side that I don't think you're gonna find a whole lot of people in the tennis community who don't feel really happy for Svetlana Parankova. Yeah. I think she has a game that is just, like, pleasing to the eye. I think that it's fluid, and you know, and, it, and it's different. It's different, and it's fun, and we only ever get to see it if we're lucky for a week and a half every year.
0: Yeah, at Wimbledon. If we're
1: lucky at Wimbledon. So, you know, unfortunately for her, that the, the it doesn't sound like the uh, courts at Melbourne Park are playing as quick as they played in Sydney, but, um, you yeah. know, clearly if it's a quick court and that she can take advantage of, she can, and so good on her.
0: I've heard that the outer, what we've heard from players so far, the outer courts may be faster than the two show courts. Which Which has always been the case. Which has always been the case, and probably won't help her against Stoser, because that will almost undoubtedly be on labor. And if not labor, then high sense, but it will be on labor. If Stoser survives that, then she gets Anna Ivanovich, who just won Auckland. If she survives that, she gets Serena Williams. So, spoiler, Samantha Stoser, not your 2014 Australian Open champion.
1: Yep. Awesome. And maybe in a lot of ways that'll relax her, but uh, you know, a tend third, to here. hey, a fourth round showing would be tremendous if she could get there.
0: Yeah, uh, Serena's quarter is rounded out by Sarah Arani, and interestingly, in the bottom of this quarter, I think worth noting is Jeannie Bouchard. It's a really nice draw. She's a number thirty seed. Her first time seeded at Slam, and if you want, if you're getting a top eight seed, which Jeannie was guaranteed to because she's number thirty, Arani, I think, is the one she wants, and. Maybe she'll be able to make the most of it. We'll see. Um, Vinci also in there. So Arania Vinci could play, which is always awkward for all involved. Also, welcome back Vera Zvonareva.
1: For sure. I mean, the nice thing about Zvonareva is that she, I mean, it's a feel-good match that's taking place on Monday. It's Casey DeLacqua versus Vera. It's feel-good kind of either way. Either Vera gets her first match win in over a year year and a half, maybe, I think, since the the Olympics. Yep. Or Casey DeLacqua, you know, of Western Australia gets a win, and and you get actually, surprisingly, an Aussie woman into the second
0: round. So, you know, it's nice. Weird scheduling, I think, we can agree for day one in terms of where women's matches got put, because that would seem like a really nice labor match, even though it's two unseated players, whereas instead they put on kerber Sova, which I don't think is as nice. Mm. Uh, the next quarter is the Lina quarter. She's a top-four player for the first time. Not, I guess she's been that recently enough, but she's number four. We mentioned already she opens against Kanya and then possibly Benchich, which is fun. Then her draw looks pretty okay through the fourth round when there's a tough little cluster there, which features Makarova, who's played very well at this tournament. Makarova, the first round against Venus, which is very tough for both of them. And then also Sabine Lasicki who is doing some work this week with Martina Hingis, is also in there. So it could be tough fourth round for Lena, no matter which one of those three women make it out.
1: You know what's super interesting about the Hingis thing? What's that? She's effectively po- coached two top 30 players yeah. in Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova and Sabine Lisicki, Those two players couldn't play a more different style of game
0: then, then, than she does, right. which I find to be really, really fascinating. It is interesting. You think that maybe she would sign up. To, I mean, Ravoska's not looking for a coach. Prankva. Prankova would be a, yeah. Parank- he could
1: never afford her, but I mean, no, you that's know.
0: true. And you need someone who can afford but if, her. But I mean,
1: I bet you, I bet I would not be. So, you know, it would be a really good deal What's for that? everybody involved. The Moritoglu Academy, like basically, let's Parankova train at Morataglu's. And I, does Hinga still have some deal with Morataglu?
0: Not sure actually.
1: If it does, like that's how you can hook it up, and because like her success would be great for the academy. She's fresh, pretty face, and you know a good
0: person to have on your website, and all these sorts of things. And people like her game. So. Yeah, I would agree with that. Rounding out the Lena quarter on the bottom side of it is Angelique Kerber, who is in there with Vesnina, who was, was re- injured recently in Hobart, so she's a bit not much of a threat as usual. Flavia Panetta, and then Petra Kvitova. So from this draw. I think a Kerber or Kvitova fourth round looks really likely. Both of them have pretty good paths there. That's as, uh, basically, I think, a toss-up of a match, depending on who's on. And then winner gets. Lean off for what should be almost guaranteed a pretty decent quarter. So that's a non-marquee, but will produce solid competitive matches quarter. With the exception of uh, Venus, obviously, is fairly marquee. A Venus, lean off fourth round would be high profile. And that's a rematch of their quarter from back in late 2010 here which was one of the worst matches Venus ever played, sidebar. You, do you see much getting in the way of Serena playing either Petra or Lina in the semi? I mean, I was asked to predict, like, hop player to go out early, mm-hmm. and I picked Lina. Okay.
1: Um, just because I think that, obviously, Lina is, head and shoulders, a better tennis player than Ana Kanya or Belinda Bencic mm-hmm. or Kamiko, da- Kamiko date Crum. Right. But those are players who can make her feel very uncomfortable. And they play, you know, with with Benchich and Kanya. she's never seen them play, or never played against them. Yeah. So that is kind of a a
0: stressor. And she won't know anyone who's played them either. Right. Not to the extent that she has attacks with who she consults, which I don't think, that's not really her style per se, but... Right.
1: And then Kamiko just plays a different style of game. So knowing Lina, like, that can kind of rattle her, and, and she could kind of unravel... Against them. Even Safarova third third round is not...
0: Is a yeah, really lefty... Weird opponent.
1: Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of kind of... Or Venus could knock her out if Venus got that far and was the playing sickie, well. Le Sikhi. gets hot. So I really, I really wish Lina was on the other side of the draw.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> um, although that would have meant that Sharapova would be on this side of the draw. Not of
2: it. Really,
1: yeah. Yeah, but, you know, because I do think that she always has a really good shot of winning the Aussie Open. Um, she just needs a few things to go her way like gravity to be suspended for a little bit yep yeah i don't know the first few rounds for her could be tough um and then petra's petra so petra could win the whole damn thing and petra could lose to
0: luksika kum come.
1: oh yeah there is a second k
0: how funny would it be
1: <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <laughs> sorry i thought there was only one k
0: <laughs> how funny would it be if lena took court for her first time match bring a helmet
1: That'd be the best. That'd be great. It's kind of like how I really want Andy Murray to take the court like Willy Wonka comes out, where he like comes out with a cane and looks like a broken old man, and then rolls, and it's like, ta-da! <laughs> I think that'd be awesome. That's and the I,
0: least Andy Murray thing I've ever heard. By the
1: time he rolled, finished his role, his role and went, ta-da! Like, the entire British press corps would have dropped dead. Yeah. I from pure so. panic. I think so.
0: Um, Not that
1: I want that. I just would find it funny. No. What?
0: Never mind. Let's, let's abandon that one. <laughs> we don't want the British press corps to all die. No,
1: no, no. I just want the... Like, watching them sometimes frazzle amuses me.
0: Because <laughs> I
1: feel they're frazzled, Like, I'm frazzled for them.
0: They have a lot of eggs in that basket.
1: Yeah.
0: Bottom half. Yelena Yankovic is in this Maria Sharapova quarter. Maria opens up with a match against Bethany maddox Sands, which is interesting not as interesting as it, would, as it would be if Bethany hadn't just gotten hurt in Sydney and been forced to pull out of her quarterfinal against Madison Keys. Um, Madison Keys, incidentally, I didn't mention, but she's in a not knock quarter. So those of you only look, listening to us and not looking at the draw, which, okay, not a bad way to do the tournament, but there are more thorough ways. Simona Halep looms the much-discussed Simona Halep as a possible fourth-round match for Yankovic. So I don't think it's a good matchup for her. Suarez Navarro in here also, probably a pretty, not a, not a tough top six, 16th seed as they go I don't think this is a bad quarter at all for Sharapova I think she actually got probably the easiest road of any of the top four
1: yep I would agree with that I mean there's there's not Corne whole...
0: is in there as a third round yeah Kornay is a
1: potential spoiler because you know she gonna love being on labor
0: Mm-hmm. she yeah. gonna put on a
1: show she gonna put on a show so if she's on labor I mean she could be no I mean I think they put Sharapova on labor for yeah. sure Maria kind of got in a lot of ways what Andy Murray got which is, I mean, even though Murray is in the Federer quarter, that what they both need is matches, and what they both need is to kind of play themselves into form, and both of them pretty much got early round draws that shouldn't be too bad, um, especially because Bethany is is not 100%. I think that if Bethany were
0: 100%, it'd be fun. If you like your players short and with a lot of spunk, you could do worse than the Chibokovic-Giovanni match. That's also in this, the first round is in this quarter. I should also point out. Let's give you a little quick quiz, Courtney. There's a rematch of the Washington final in this quarter. Do you see it? No. No one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will... No one remembers Washington final. It was Rubaroa Pekovic. Uh, <laughs> we were up there. Thanks for playing, Courtney. have some fabulous parting gifts for you. Um... As
1: if I'd ever. Start, anyways, yes. yeah.
0: Okay. So can Yankovic beat Sharapova? Mm-hmm. Probably not. But it will be fun rehashing that whole thing because her opponent's last name will be Yankovic, And I'll leave it at that. <music> last quarter, the Azarenka quarter, which Jamie Hampton just withdrew from, we should point out, Jamie uh, got a hip injury late in Auckland after battling a lot of the offseason with a different injury. So that's unfortunate for her. Um, and she was forced to pull out. And so our, our paper draws don't reflect it, but she was replaced on there by... Uh, Bojana Jovanovsky. so Azarenka is a slightly better deal. Jovanovski is not a pushover. Um, I think the most interesting thing in this section, there's a few interesting th- th- interesting things in this section. Um, I think having Redvanska and Wozniacki together is not uninteresting. A lot of eyes will be on Caroline now that she has a blinding ring, which I saw actually um, in person. It is huge. It is Rory got her a golf ball. I think it's fair to say. So those two could play. I don't know if they've ever played a slam before. I can't remember a slam meeting between those two. And then, obviously, a lot of eyes will be on Sloan Stevens, who made a semis here last year, obviously, uh, and got a very tough draw in the early stages.
1: Potentially very, very tough. Very potential. A, I mean, a it's very, a lot of potential. That, that's, that's the caveat, because every single player that she could play in the first three rounds could throw in a complete and other stinker.
0: Yeah, that's completely true. They could so. all stink, and they could all... She's much steadier,
1: yeah, exactly. She's much steadier than any one of them at a slam. I would agree with that, right? But um, but yeah, Shvedova in the first round, who who isn't playing at her kind of best. Um, she could get Alia Tomjanovic, who's who's a good talent. I mean, she can hit the ball um, younger, uh, but that's one. And I I could be wrong. I don't know if they're friends, but they I think that they've trained together before.
0: I love and fun Yeah.
1: Okay. I think so. I could be wrong on that, but I think so. And then uh, Kuznetsova, potentially, yeah. who could also... Then it's Speta yeah. and Speta could easily lose to Alina Spitolina
0: in the first round. Totally. So. Um, so that's the interesting part of the draw. I do think, however, if Sloane plays, let's say, all three of those people, or two of the three, and then get through that, she could be in very dangerous form to take on Azarenka. I think that's right. And that could be a match that Azarenka, because of... The narrative that would go into that match, all that stuff from last year would get rehashed if that match happened again. And Athmerica could be out there rattled a little bit, and that's a winnable match for Sloan if she gets there, I think. So that would be a big, big scalp for her. Her first I mean, Serena obviously was a big scalp a slam. This would be knocking out two time defending champ could be good. But all And that if stuff-
1: she does that, she has a a legit a mid-chance to make the final.
0: I think Rons has given her a lot of trouble in the past. I mm, think Brad would be the favorite against Sloan. is no, a, yeah, a big matchup player. That's fair. So that's I would fair. pick Aga, but if Wozniacki, yeah, and I would, pick, I would, pick, Wozniacki. I would pick Wozniacki over Sloan, too, actually. Yeah.
1: But there's intrigue. I mean, that's the there's, thing. That's a like very intriguing round. quarter. And it would be, it would be just really cool to see, like, Sloan just boss this. Yeah. Like, I think that that would be just a really cool thing to see, especially because I know that a lot of, kind of, the chatter after last year's semifinal run was, was the fact that she had a really easy draw. She really didn't have to draw. beat anybody in the top 40, I think, through the first three for the through the through first three rounds before she played Serena, and then obviously Serena. Four rounds
0: before she played Serena, quarters. Yeah, yeah. quarters,
1: whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you know, this is kind of the flip, and I think that this would be if she were to kind of be able to, to get these wins and, and keep a level head, especially with the expectations and the pressure, um, that'd be a really
0: positive, like, development. I totally agree. I think that could be very interesting. And Azarenka will have her work cut out for her, too, um, With it, if she gets Sloan. Even though she owns her, August is not a pushover in the quarters. And uh, either Yankovic or Cherikova, top semi at this point. Yankovic was playing really, really well in Brisbane. Very high on her. She kind of tanked <laughs> almost admittedly in Sydney because we asked her what her next tournament was, and she was like, oh, Melbourne. Oh, yeah, I am playing Sydney, technically. And she technically did play there only technically hypothetically yeah so she's a dangerous player i could see weirder things i'll just make a weird statement i could see weird i could things would surprise me less than yankovic making this final but a share a sharepova asarenka semi would be pretty tasty considering how lopsided their final was here pova should be out for revenge on that on this court it should be fun it's a fun women's draw it's a for fun sure. women's draw every single round i think has great matches You know, in
1: the beginning, in the middle, in the end, um, so long as everything holds up. And I think that, you know, obviously whenever we do these draw previews, I've written a bunch of them at this point where you have to talk basically about projected matches and things like that. Yes, okay, the caveat is wacky Wimbledon. Like, okay, yes, crazy shit can happen and that will throw everything into disarray, everything that we just said. But if that were kind of our modus operandi was to assume chaos then there would be no point in kind of talking about it we wouldn't be anything. very good
0: at our jobs either because things are not random yeah they aren't last question before we move on to the men i think on the women that i have serena versus the field who you got serena i would agree but i think it's only like a 60 percent thing which is huge when you think about it i think 60 percent that one player will win it that's a big percentage in my mind mm-hmm. The men's draw is actually in a bit of flux. We're going to give you a little asterisk here because during the Kuyang event, which has dropped in prestige remarkably, it is sort of the blockbuster video of tennis events in the last 15 years. Kuyang, not that it's bankrupt quite yet, but I don't see that being too far away. Sorry, Kuyang. Kuyong claimed the ankle of Gilles Simon, who is the 18th seed, in Melbourne, uh, he rolled his ankle really badly in an exhibition match against Gasquet. It was ugly. It was bad. It was a total fluke thing. Um, Andy Murray was actually asked about it uh, in his press, or just about there being a lot of injuries. And he very smartly pointed out that like landing on your ankle wrong is not a sign of lack of conditioning. That's just bad luck. Freak things happen.
1: It's not a reason to, that you can, it's not something that happens where you can start like to distill a trend. Yeah. Bad luck is just bad luck. Right.
0: And it wasn't like the way he did it was because the courts were sticky or something. We are going to do this podcast under the assumption that Gilles Simone is pulling out. And also under the assumption that he will be the next seed to pull out. Which assumes that no other seeds will pull out before him. We, we should heard.
1: clarify that we're doing this podcast
0: on Saturday night. Yes, on Saturday night. So things will get reshuffled when Simone pulls out. And we can talk briefly about what was before he pulled out. Gilles um was the number 25 seed and would have gotten a first-round match against Ryan Harrison, um, which was seen by some people as being like, oh, poor Ryan got screwed again. Others as, you can't complain too much about number 25. But anyway, Malfice will move to Simone's slot, and Julian Beneteau will be elevated to number 33 seed, and will take Malfiès' original spot, which is a third-round match with Rafael Nadal, which I'm not entirely sure that Beneteau is entirely happy about becoming a seed, because otherwise he would have gotten... Correno Busta first round, Robredo second round, Gasquet third round. So I think he'd probably take his old one, but he doesn't have a choice. Sorry, Julian. Let's talk about the very first line of the draw that happened in the draw ceremony. You should have heard if you were watching the live stream. You might have heard the reactions of the MCs when Bernard Tomic's name jumped up there right next to Dolls at the beginning. Uh, Bernard Tomic made the final Sydney, which was a good effort. He's defending champion there won only four games in the final, not a great effort, lost in less than an hour to Del Potro. Courtney, what do you make of Bernard Tomic drawing Nadal first round?
1: I don't like it. I really, really don't. I mean, I would like to see more Bernard Tomic play matches the way that he plays matches in Australia, and I was very impressed by his focus and intensity through Sydney. I didn't see the final, but Tomek has this way about him that everything's kind of too cool for school. Like yeah. he can't, The way he gets the towel, the way he'll win a point and just kind of like calmly walk back and grab the towel or get new balls, and his face is completely expressionless. And you really didn't see that in Sydney. There was fist pump. I mean, he was on Ivanovich in how he's fist pumping after points. And that was good to see. And, and he was showing that he cared. And, and that's, I think, think that's a lot of what we want from Tomek.
0: Was he twirling?
1: No.
2: That's too But,
1: yeah, no, that's what we want to see from Tomic is is some sort of intensity and passion. And so I'm bummed that he's going to to probably be out after one match at the Aussie. I would have loved to him to have an easier draw where he is hitting one of these seeds, you know, in the third round or the fourth round as opposed to the first. So. I agree.
0: Would, would, he's a fun person to have around in Australia. He's a fun person to have do five press conferences in a week. I mean, he's just... And he's a fun player to watch here and see the crowds, how they react to him because it's never... A simple reaction to Bernard Atomic. Australia has complicated feelings about Bernard Atomic. The same way they have somewhat complicated feelings about Leighton Hewitt, even still. I mean, there's a lot of people who think Leighton Hewitt is a jerk down here. Same thing with Bernard. Uh, they think Bernard's more of just disappointing. I don't think they would go as far as jerk per se. I would have said this, answered this differently before the Sydney final flop, but is it possible? Could Bernard Atomic beat Leighton uh, and Raphael at all?
1: No, not in a best of five match.
0: Okay. I would probably agree with that. But I think you could make life very difficult. But I also think Nadal will be up for that match. I think getting a big-name kind of floater very, very early can be really, really good for a top player. People talk about how, well, Sharapova, for example, played in 2008 in Australia. And a lot of that was because she drew Lindsay Davenport's second round and had to really go steer a 60 fast. And then once she did that, never let her foot off the gas. And so Nadal, who wasn't entirely convincing all the time in Doha, could benefit from that sort of turbo boost at the beginning. Also in that little mini-section is Tenasi Kokonakis, who isn't a favorite in his first round against Sisling, but if he does, it would be fun to see the young guy play. all. he played pretty well against Hewitt, an eventual champ in Brisbane. I have a um, piece of
1: trivia about Tenasi Kokonakis. Okay. Darren Cahill told me that his nickname down here in Australia is The Cock.
0: <laughs> I have heard that. <laughs> so.
1: And I said, really? And Darren said yes.
0: So, Darren Cahill, um, I'm sure thinks highly of the cock. I think a lot of people do in Australia. People are really, really high on the cock. They expect big things from the cock. And there's a lot of talk about how the cock will measure up against Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, so it'll be fun to see. I see
1: what you did there.
0: I did several things there. (laughs) So I think everyone's looking forward to seeing how the cock uh, develops through his career. (laughs) Also, in this... uh, uh, Nadal eighth is Leighton Hewitt. It was a t- not an easy first round against Sepi. It's the kind of match that could be a trap match. Then, likely a decent one against Donald Young. Donald Young or Robin Hassa. Young's not a lock in that match at all. And then Nisha Corey. Hewitt beat Nisha Corey in the Brisbane semis, so that shouldn't be too bad. I don't see Nisha Corey handling a strong opposition crowd, especially well at this stage in his career. But I also don't see him beating Nadal. I think Nadal is pretty safe to the quarters right now and then the next part of Nadal's quarter features a bunch of player uh, fan favorites Del Potro, Dimitrov, Ronich, Benoit Pair, Nick Kyrgios. You think Del Potro gets out of there unscathed or is it not that simple?
1: It's never that simple with Del Potro. I mean the guy lost to Jim Chardy. Uh <laughs> I just think it's really funny that he goes by Jim.
0: Jim is not a nickname for Jeremy people. No. It's just not.
1: It's Jim Chardee. The the Twitter handle, yeah, um, but yeah, no, I mean, del Petra, the you know game changing yeah. talent who can implode, so I think that obviously Del Pochre's had a great confident run in Sydney, but, uh, and he has like an okay draw here. I don't see him losing to a pair, and I don't see anybody in that portion of of the draw beating him in a best of five, except you know, whoever kind of comes out of that Dimitrov Roundich match could could do it, but that would be assuming a lot, considering. You know how kind of poorly Dimitrov plays at the slams, and yeah. it's supposed to be
0: so hot next week. He's not gonna handle that well.
1: Yeah, so in a round-inch uh Delpo
0: match, no way. That's Delpo all the way. I totally agree with that. I would say, and this is showing how much confidence I have in Delpo. I think the player most likely to beat him before he gets to the quarters would be Batista Agut, who is his potential second round match. Who's been playing very well lately. I doubt Del Potro knows a whole lot about him um uh, the potter actually drew Ryan Williams first round He's, this is qualifier here but it's Ryan Williams so tough not great draws for any of the unseeded Americans a lot of them are in this quarter Jack Sock, Ryan Harrison, uh Bradley Klon, Tim Smyczek and Dally I said that I don't know if I said that so next quarter is another loaded quarter of the draw Andy Murray gets like we said when we were talking about Sharapova a really dream start to the first two rounds anyway opening at Gosweta, and then a qualifier, which will be one of Vincent Milo or Wayne O'Desnick. That's pretty dreamy, and I think the the British press will get to explode because they really don't like Wayne O'Desnik over there. They really have it in for him. Not that we like him in the U.S. either, particularly, because of what he did, but Britain is very much more hung up on Odesnyk than we are. I don't and, know. If it's not that
1: we don't like him. It's just that I think that the American reaction is kind of to ignore
0: him. And that's probably fair.
1: You know, I think that he, you know, yeah. So whereas I think the Brits are obviously really high on kind of anti doping stuff and and things like that because of their
0: history in cycling and everything. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably right. So Milo obviously could beat. Or does think he hasn't won a? Well, he's won a couple slam matches, but that's a weak match. Good for Andy either way. None of those guys are going to beat him. Lopez was not playing very well in Brisbane. He lost all his hair too; doesn't look good. So Andy looks pretty safe through to the fourth round, I think. When he could, I could see him easily losing to either Isner or Kohlschreiber.
1: I don't see Isner, but I could see him losing to Kohlschreiber.
0: Yeah, I could see either. And I think if he does lose to Isner, I think he's not going to play Davis Cup. That's my
2: it's an interesting hyphenated
0: thing. prediction, or interesting. if-then statement. Isner Kohlschreiber is an intriguing, not intriguing, but like a familiar third round. Uh, Kohlschreiber beat Isner with the last two U.S. Opens. Isn't just one Auckland, so good for John. He wasn't breaking the serve a whole lot, so living on the edge, as per always. Uh, then comes Federer's section, which also features Sanga, and we assume Gael Monfils, assuming the reshuffle happens the way expected. Good draw for Federer early on. I don't see him having much trouble against Duckworth, Stepanek, or Kavchich and then Stokowski and Verdasco are both intriguing third rounds, but I think he I can't see him losing to either, unless, of course, he has one of his patented... No show days that he's had more and more recently. I could see Verdasco taking him out. Really, Verdasco have to play well. He will get out for that match.
1: Yeah, I mean, he still has it. I mean, he showed that he that he, that he still has it. I mean, he would just need to to get through his early. You know, he has two fairly straightforward early ones. Um, if he's if he's hitting that forehand, if he's serving well, quicker courts could do.
0: Yeah, and Tsonga could definitely beat Federer as well. Yeah, fourth round, even after inviting him to the Roger Federer and Friends Night thing, which is here. Monfils better would be a lot of fun. Sango Monfils would be a lot of fun as well. Fun little section there. Which brings us to the next quarter, which is the David Ferrer quarter, which is sort of where fun came to die in this draw. Mm -hmm. I'm looking here. David Ferrer versus Alejandro Gonzalez is a Labor match tomorrow during the day session. The Labor day session consists of Ferrer Gonzalez, Kerber Gadisova, and then Stoser Zakopilova, if you bought a Grand Slam ticket for a stadium and got like really good seats, thinking you're going to see your favorite player play, spoiler, odds oh, sorry, your favorite player is not any of those six people. Maybe there are a lot of Alejandro Gonzalez fans out there I'm not aware of. Otherwise, spend your day at Margaret Court Arena. Get there early. Go see Venus Makarova. Have a great day. Rough. Rough scheduling. What stands out to you in this, in this desert of the quarter?
1: I mean, depending on how well he's playing, and I don't know how well he's playing, I mean... Haas janowitz, Chardy, those are kind of the three names aside from the top two seeds in in that um that quarter that I could see depending on what their form is um could could get through I mean janowitz you know has very little he's he's undercooked uh, yeah. completely Haas lost to sock
0: in auckland yeah. in
1: Auckland, so it's hard to know
0: where Tommy's game is. Um, Kevin Anderson was just hospitalized with some sort of stomach virus, food poisoning type of thing while he was in Brisbane. Um, I talked to him very briefly here because I saw him right before he got sick. I promise I did not make him sick, I don't think. I, don't, I hope not. Anderson, yeah, is finally feeling back to normal, but lost early in Auckland because of that too. But he's in a nice section. I could see weirder things than Anderson making semis here. I it, can see it's Chardin a, Chardin making is, the semis is the winner in this section, yeah, I think. think so. Chardee... Who um, made quarters here last year and a lot of points to defend.
1: And made semis in Br- in Brisbane and pushed Roger to three.
0: Yeah, so I think there's a lot of decent names. Everyone should be very thankful to be here. Uh, Eugenie could easily make quarters at least. Burditch can make semis. But all in all, Davy Ferrer doesn't tend to lose a whole lot early at slams, no matter how many times he think he will. He gets through these, he's just not much opposition once he gets to semis.
1: You know who got screwed in this half of the draw? Who's that? Ernest Goldis.
0: Yes, he did.
1: Like... Ugh. I mean, of all the sections to land into, like the section that you're most bummed to be in is the Novak Djokovic, not even quarter, but his like small section. Yeah, like that's that just sucks.
0: That does suck. I will say it's a little bit of draw karma for Golbus because he was in the Ferrer quarter at U.S. Open and went oh. out and went out first round to eventual champion Andreas Heidermauer. Exactly. So he kind of burned his dream draw there. That's fair. Um,
1: it's like one of those, like, this is why you can't have good things. Right.
0: Or nice things. Yeah. Like, you don't trust him with the car keys again, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Djokovic quarter has the intriguing possibility of a quarterfinal against Vavrinka, uh, which was obviously probably match of the year here last year, uh, their fourth round match. Um, although Vavrinka could easily, or not easily, but I could see him losing to Pospisil third yeah, round. Pospisil's Pospisil. playing great lately. It's ridiculous to see like, Pospisil as a twenty eight seed, considering where he was six months ago. Um, completely off the radar. Gasquet is in this section. Um, Gascade-Ravenka could be one of those, ooh, let's romanticize the one-handed backhand, kind of fourth-round matches that a lot of people get into. Um, Going back quickly to Pospisil, though, he does yeah. have injury concerns. Oh yeah, he did reti- He did
1: withdraw from Chennai.
0: Right, he's part of the.
1: So you know, I mean, that that's the problem here too is that like, yeah, some of these guys might be more injured than we think they are. Some of them might not be. It's 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 a bit tough. But if Pospisil was was healthy, he would be kind of the dark horse to to make the quarter out of that
0: section. I think. I would agree with that. Golbis is in there. Golbis has not gimme first round at all against Juan Monaco, who's a dangerous guy. He just he got was hosed on every single way. a lot. Yeah, he really got it. He had it rough. Then. The Fonini is in there, but Fonini's not playing that great lately. Djokovic, Djokovic, really, you have to take Djokovic against the field in this half. You absolutely have to, I think. Agree? Yep. Yeah. So there we go. As it shakes out, let's pick Djokovic through to the final. Djokovic's got to be the favorite in this tournament, right? Just because he's through to the final, we think.
1: I think he's the favorite in the, in the tournament just because he'll be through to the final and most likely he won't really have to work as hard as everybody else to get there. Yeah. So he'll make the final and he won't be gassed. And I think that when you look back at 2013 and you look at the two slam finals that he did lose.
0: He played five set semis.
1: Right, he played five set semis at Wimbledon and at the U.S. Open. So I think that does matter. I think that um, he'll be there, he'll be well rested, and he'll be ready for, who knows, a seven-hour match against Rafael Nadal in the final.
0: I don't want seven hours of any match. I'm sorry. I will also point out that Djokovic, we know because he starts on day one, will have an extra day of rest <laughs> against the bottom half if he gets the final, as we think he will. So there we go. That's our draw pick- uh, predictions. Anything non-directly matchup related you're looking forward to in this tournament you can think of?
1: I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how the players deal with the heat.
0: Okay. So yeah. the
1: weather the weather is set to. It's been cool. I mean, Ben and I went to grab dinner tonight. And we had to walk about, like five blocks, and we had to wear hoodies. And it was still kind of cool. I mean, today was really cool. Yesterday, it was sweltering. Like, it was just, you were so hot. Um, next week, it's supposed to get very, very, very close to triple digits. Um, so it'll be in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, and no one's going to want to play in that heat. We'll see if the heat rule comes in effect, yeah. which is true, which could happen, which means that the, the, the roofs on labor... And High Sense would be closed, but obviously there aren't roofs on every single court. So everybody who is stuck on any court that is MCA or quote-unquote below is going to have to continue to toil away in what
0: is potentially 100-degree weather. Dangerous weather. Dangerous weather. Um, remember last you know, last year, only last year, when the whole cav duckworth fiasco happened and Kavchich played in ridiculous, ridiculous heat and humidity, won, I think, like 9-7 in the 5th or something like that, and then was like essentially like went into shock or something in the locker room and was like shaking uncontrollably and stuff. So he had we to have
1: IVs hooked up to him immediately yeah. to get saline and he, he, you know, he
0: claims he got morphine and the denies that. So we'll uh, we'll see how that happens. Hopefully your favorite player does not have that happen to him or her because that would not be super pleasant. And that I will say, I'll add, if it's not heat roll hot, but very hot, that could be an ex to who takes out Djokovic. Djokovic, uh, in early Djokovic incarnations did not handle heat well. And you're talking Djokovic, like PG Djokovic, pre, pre-gluten-free pre Djokovic. Yeah, PGF glu- yeah. Djokovic. Um, but that's Asthma Djokovic, so which he says is gone now, I guess, that he's gluten-free. He um, could knock out Delpo.
1: The Heat could knock out Petra. The Heat could knock out a lot of different players. Vika.
0: Vika. Vika's Heat susceptible for sure. Yeah, it could, it could be bad. He could knock out Yankovic, I think. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Her last
1: name is Yankovic.
0: Her last name happens to be Yankovic. So we'll see how that goes. It could be another element. And that's part of what people romanticize Australia as. Australia's kind of gotten a lot more neutral, I think, in terms of all conditions. It's like a slow, hardcore. It hasn't been too hot lately. But this could be an old-fashioned Australia uh, players as Shrimp on the Barbie competition. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it should be fun. So now we're going to do a speed round of some of the questions you gave us. Courtney, why don't you read off questions we've gotten from our listeners over the past few days about this tournament?
1: I will, yes. We got some questions about the draw specifically okay. um, on Twitter, so we're just going to kind of go through and, and kind of blast through them mm-hmm. uh, to get done. Uh, so, this question comes from at TJC05, Tony. Hi, Tony. Tony, who uh, both of us met in Cincinnati, and he was a very nice dude. Yep. Do you guys prefer to have balanced draws or one with a couple wild card quarters with no clear favorite?
0: Um, I, I think, uh, it depends on whether you're thinking long-term or short-term. I mean, they either, you either get, it's like they say about alcohol, you either pay up front or you pay later. So, pick your poison, essentially. I think I enjoy both, in terms of alcohol and tennis.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think for myself, I, I, I do like the wild card sections. I mm-hmm. do like, you know, you want some predictability, but you don't want too much predictability, so it's really striking the balance there. Balance draws... Can be balanced, and they might produce. And I think, in a lot of ways, this this w the women's uh, draws this. It's a balanced draw. It's going to produce some interesting matches, some interesting storylines. Does it change? But at the end of the day, I think a, a lot of us kind of expect the top four seeds, like to make it. It'll into be a big news if any of them lose. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, whereas, it I guess it would be kind of nice if you had like three quarters that were kind of givens.
0: You want? I think you also prefer over to under I mean. They're, the Ferreira quarter is, could be considered quote-unquote interesting because of the lack of real people you thought were contenders before the draw came out, to make semis. I prefer it to be overstuffed and understuffed. So I'll say that. Okay. Next question.
1: Next question is from at Kokodum, um, who asks, do you really think that given Nadal's, quote, tough draw, anyone can knock him out before the finals, and if so, who? So who's your pick to knock out
0: Rafa? Player most likely to beat Rafa before the finals, I would say, is Juan Martín del Potro. Ditto. There we, there we go. Fast answer. Yeah. Next question, Courtney. This question comes from at
1: the Apollo. Uh huh. Why? I- are- Shoba? Yes. Why are we still complaining about Ryan Harrison's bad draws? Don't really have a leg to stand on when you barely break the top 100.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I do think there's a little bit of a chicken egg thing with the ranking thing as opposed to his bad draws. If he'd been able to make a couple slam third rounds, his ranking would be much better than it is right now. That said, he's lost a lot of matches, including one to our upcoming guest, James McGee, um, which say that the draw the the draws are not his only problem. Um, sorry, James. But I think that's fair that you know, he's clearly not someone who can beat anyone outside the top ten and just keep playing top ten players. And if Benito does get subbed into that match against Ryan Harris in the first round, very winnable match for Ryan. Not one where you can say, Ah, oh, I just got unlucky drawing Benito. No one says that. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean I think it's it's difficult because when you talk about kind of dangerous unseated players, right, who get, and players who kind of do engender this sense of like, oh man, like you got hosed by the draw. You're kind of thinking a little bit more of kind of when Golbis was unseated or when Malfis was unseated. You know, players who have proven in the past that they can beat big name players and you want to see them... Or, or you know get that far and and Harrison just hasn't really I mean his biggest win was over an injured Isner yeah last year yeah. in Sydney so it, it's tough but um but at the same time you want to give give the kid a chance
0: and it's it's and I will put Dimitrov in a little bit of the same comparison with the exception of his win over Djokovic in Madrid Dimitrov's hype looks really inexplicable on paper with his just his results I mean he has only made a third round of a slam once. And has just won one title, which was in Stockholm. So, what are we saying? Anyway.
1: I think you're harsher on Dimitrov than I am. I think I probably am, too. Yeah. Next question. Okay. At Dropshot underscore Lob. Okay. uh, Asks, do you think this is the most important slam of the year for Serena to win?
0: That's an interesting question. Let's say short. I'd say yeah. Um, Just because if she doesn't win it, it causes problems. And it just, you know, she does not... She's responding well to losing in 2013 in terms of losing slams. She bounced back well each time won the next slam. But if she definitely wants to win it, and if she doesn't, it will be bad. And I think, yeah, that's a dumb answer. But I think if she was only to win one slam this year, <laughs> would she want it to be this one? Maybe. I think she's at a point where all slams are equally important to her. Wimbledon, I think, is I still think Wimbledon, personally, is the most prestigious of the four slams. I think the title there just means more in tennis history and lore um, but, yeah, I think Serena for this is important. It's a hard one to gauge, I think.
1: I, I think that it
0: is. Um,
1: I'm going to be a bit more forthright in my answer. I do think that it is the most important one for her to win this year simply because it tees up the rest of the year. I think that it takes pressure off her a little bit um, yeah. going into the French, Yes, um, which I think is good. Um, I think that in a lot of ways it kind of erases the bad mojo. For her down in in Australia, which I think is important, so I think that in, if she were to go through and win this one, it would relax her a little bit. Maybe that's a bad thing. I don't know, but I think that it I think that it would be big for her to to start this year off having won this one. It sets up a possible calendar sl- uh, calendar slam, which Patrick Mortaglu has already brought up. Um, so you know, it, it sets up a lot for Serena. But I think that the biggest thing that jumps out to me. And why I say that is that it takes
0: the pressure off. That's uh, completely well said. I will also add: this is the slam that she hasn't won in the longest time. Even though she won this one for a while, it was the slam she won more than any other as of 2010, when she won it for the fifth time. She hadn't won any other slams that much, which is also a little interesting because it was the slam that she won last of the four, and then she made it her best slam for a while. She won in all the odd years: so 305, 9 and then 2010. And that kind of got her off rhythm, and she hasn't won here since. But I think she's, like we said, favored against the field. Yep. Next question, Courtney.
1: Okay, this is actually the last question, and All it's right. a, a question we got quite a bit, but um, from different uh, listeners. But I'm going to go ahead and credit at Matt F15 okay. um, with his question. So, which players are in the best position to take advantage of these draws going Wimble weird?
0: Okay, so, so take
1: the top seeds out of it.
0: Take like let's say let's take let's the Let's say top, take top five. Top five seeds out of both draws? Yes. Okay. Let me look at the draws. That's some chaos.
1: Well, I guess, you know what? No, if we're talking...
0: Okay. Yeah. I already said it. I think the best... If the draws completely blow up and all top five seeds, let's just say lose first round, just get them out of the way quickly. Um, My thoughts suddenly turn to Yelena Jankovic. I really like her chances there. I'm not sure where the head-to-head is against Radvanska. Oh, no, Radvanska's top five. She's out of there. Uh, Radvanska could vulture a Slam pretty well, I think, if it fell apart. She definitely rues... I went Wimbledon when she had a really, really good chance to do just that. Uh, Other than that, I don't see anybody else. Uh, Petra is number six. She could do that, I guess. Uh, I'm down
1: with a Petra-Yankovic final.
0: I could totally see (laughs) if no top five players are here. I could see something weird like a Genie Bouchard in the final. Yeah. Things could happen. Sloan could win. It could be a Sloan-Genie final. Sloan
1: wasn't that far off from winning Wimbledon.
0: Yeah, we remember that. (laughs) And we say this, I know people think that Sloan's gotten overhyped. That's a fact. Sloan, if Sloan had beaten Bartoli, she would have gotten Flipkins, who was hurt and nervous, and then Lesicki, who was nervous as hell. Sloan could have won the Wimbledon, you guys.
1: Could have happened. And
0: on the men's side, do you have another pick besides the ones I mentioned?
1: No, 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 I think those were the two that jumped out to me was Yankovic, Kovitova, yeah, Stevens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's take the top five out of the men's draw that leaves Federer Federer would love this <laughs> Federer number six uh, but Federer let take him out too because Wimble weird killed Federer exactly Sanga Isner Nishikori I don't see as a giant killer but he can clean up under people who are below him um, Burdich number seven could win a slam someday I'll say Wawrinka Wawrinka yeah totally I'm not going to
1: re- reel off names I'm just going to pick one
0: Wawrinka there you go good answer and that's the end of our questions thanks guys so to end this show We are going to give you the entirety of the interview I did with James McGee during qualifying. Uh, I did a story on James, who has been a somewhat outspoken online blogger about the issues and realities of life for players on the lower rungs of the tours at Futures and Challengers, where he makes his living. So it was a very, I thought, uh, good talk with James. He's a very good storyteller and the story that sort of wrote itself from his interview. So obviously there's a lot more to it than what fit in the nine hundred thousand words of my article, so I thought you guys would enjoy him. And that's it for us folks. Have a good one and we'll talk to you later. I'll see I'll see I'll see. Oi. Oi. Bye guys. Mm-hmm. Match. What were your thoughts on that uh, well, one? Obviously, pretty close. Yeah. A lot of breaks right at the end, but other yeah, that, yeah,
2: exactly. Other than that, I mean, I found it very difficult uh, to get into his service games. Yeah. Um, I believe I saved one break point in the in the first set, which I which I you know I handled well. I did well to just to save that uh, break point. It really, it came down to that tie break, you know. And, and in fairness to Jimmy, he he came up with the goods on a couple of points. I remember that two one point where he hit that slice backhand. Cro- yeah. yeah, the short angle cross court and he didn't really put a foot wrong and I was trying to stay aggressive and I just I always felt during the match that I couldn't um, like I just needed to get into it you know I was yeah. so close just to, yeah. to to really getting into it and I never felt I really got into the match fully you know there were sparks of, of greatness like during the match I felt yeah. like wow I'm playing great but I couldn't maintain it consistently you know so uh, obviously really disappointed you know yeah. and to have lost at least the, the good thing is at least I know I'm playing at a, at a high level like if I had lost the match and I felt like uh, I was just making tons of mistakes and he didn't do much you know yeah. then I'd be really disappointed but I'm, and I'm still disappointed that I lost but at least I know that I'm playing at a high level so yeah. that's, that, that's really where I'm, my, my head is now yeah. you
0: know what's the build up like to first obviously it's like a very high stakes match first round qualities. what's the the week, the month leading up to this, obviously it's probably circled on your calendar for a long time once yeah. you know you get into the... Yeah, college.
2: I mean, firstly, it was my first time, yeah, so yeah. it was really exciting, uh, delighted, and 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 because it's your first time, you're not exactly sure what's the best preparation, but I ended up getting good preparation by playing a Challenger in last Numea, week yeah, in Numea, yeah. and it's actually a lot hotter there and a lot more humid, so... Physically, that was great for me because yeah. coming here, it's just it's easier, you know. Like yeah. I, I didn't sweat as half as much as yeah. as much Not as bad I sweat today. At all. Yeah, no. At 10 a.m., exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I was I was lucky with that. But in terms of uh, preparation, you know, it's it's get matches in and make sure that uh, mentally and physically going into the tournament, you, you're you're fresh and you, you've got that hunger, you know. And and luckily luckily enough, you know, I had the the preseason off, so. The, the, the hunger coming into this was as high as ever you know Actually. where sometimes throughout the year guys might lose their hunger they're, they're yeah. a bit tired jaded my hunger was there mentally physically everything was there and it, I think it really came down to execution at the end yeah. of the day uh, Jimmy was a little bit better at exe- execution like I, I feel if I played him uh, you know right now or tomorrow I think I could beat him you know yeah. so it was just a little bit of a you know, I felt it a little bit uh, unlucky out there, and, and he played well. You know,
0: six and five it's not, yeah. I mean, it's not a lot of margin. No, there. no, there's it's nothing.
2: Far. You know, so. It's a tough one to take, but just got to get back on the horse, you know, and forget about it as soon as possible.
0: This is your first time, because uh, you know you play played Wimbledon Qualies, but that yeah. was at Roehampton. First time yeah. playing on-site at a yeah. Grand Slam. What's the feeling like?
2: Oh, it's amazing. It's a dream, actually. And, and, and I said it to, um, there's a guy here called Larry Jurevich, and he's coaching uh, a girl, a Canadian, called Sharon Fitchman. Yeah. I think she's one or two exceeding qualies. And he, Larry coached me for three or four years, um, growing up from 13 to 17. Mm. And I remember Larry at a young age saying to me, um, he said something along the lines of, you know, one day we're going to be in the US Open and the Australian Open and we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to be working on this shot here and practice it. You know, and I remember when I was 13 or 14, I just didn't believe it. I thought, this is, this is that's not going to happen almost. Yeah. Like, like, it's so far away at that age. And so now, just the other day, I, I realized I was just walking, walking out to get the transport, getting the transport. I picked up my laundry, I had a good training session, and I just thought to myself, "Jeez, this is my dream. This yeah. is everything that I, that I absolutely want, you know, where like, I, there's no other place in the world that I want to be right now. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, uh, Ben, I'm just, I'm just very, very happy to be, to be playing tennis. You know yeah. Look, I, I, want, I want to win just as much as anyone else does. Yeah. Like, I don't want to lose. Uh, any matches, but yeah. you, you know, you can't, not, not everyone. Ninety-nine percent of players lose, and I, I think it's really important just to enjoy it. And I have enjoyed it, and I did enjoy my match, even though I lost. But it's it's a it's a great experience. I'm very thankful for it. You know. Yeah,
0: you got here. Obviously, this is sort of more the the main. Tour obviously, but you've done some pretty creative scheduling in the past. I know I was actually planning to talk to you at the U.S. Open. Okay. I thought you might, get so we, I saw the read the blog you did. Yeah, so I was interested yeah. for a while. Yeah. but then I saw that you you didn't make the cut. I guess, but you were yeah. in, you were in Gabon that Two week. places. Two out. places. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. So, but How do how did you get how do you find like decide to go to Gabon? Know, I'm sure uh, most players could not even tell you that was a country.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually didn't know about it until I had a friend who played the event uh, four years ago. His name's Barry King. He's now a, a bond trader. And Barry, uh, because they didn't have the tournament for four years, and uh, Barry actually told me that it's a decent enough country, you know, Gabon, and he said it's one of the wealthier countries in Africa. It's a French colony. Uh, They make a lot of money from, I think it's petroleum. I'm not sure exactly. So I I trusted him because he's a good friend of mine. And I said, screw it, I'm going. Because I believe at the time it was either a week off or, or some futures on clay I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd have to go back and look at the schedule but I decided to go down there and you know had a very easy draw to the semi-finals like playing local lads or, or African lads which which basically was was seven points if you know I put in half 50% of a performance no offence to them yeah, no, just saying yeah. that they weren't at a high enough level and then I had two tough matches in the semis and final against a guy 400 and 300 you know yeah. um, but that the, the experience of going down there was fine but what happened was the day of the finals after I'd won it I wasn't sick everything was fine um, no, no problem down in Africa and um, I was shaking all the ball boys hands and everyone's hands I, I probably shook 100 to 150 hands after the match you know people coming up to you yeah, yeah, clapping sure. you well done well done I was doing TV interviews and everything in, in Gabon and um, someone came up to me with a plate of food finger food and just sort of offered it to me like this and without thinking I just grabbed it and I went like that and I probably and I talked to a lot of doctors uh, about this but I probably had some sort of bacteria on on my hands I ended up getting a parasite which put me out for the next two months like I ended up um, I ended up going to Turkey and then going over to the States for some challengers and that whole time during that, that, that period, I yeah. just did not feel right. Yeah. And so I, got, I went back to Ireland, I got tested for tropical diseases, I got tested for parasites, and they found out that I had like two parasites living inside Jeez. me. I had to kill them, you know. This is, this is what, <laughs> and I was playing tournaments during yeah. this. I actually won a couple of matches with yeah. them. And uh, so in hindsight, that whole experience of going to Gilvon yeah. wasn't worth it because it ended up losing me two months. But if I hadn't have got the parasite, it could have been worth it. You know? yeah. But you really put you put it you put yourself at risk going to these countries and yeah. and getting parasites and food poisoning. I've, I've 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 had a lot. I had it in Indonesia. I had it in Morocco, yeah. and I had it. In, I remember in Venezuela in 2008. So and it tends to be in the countries where you think you're right, going to yeah, get it. It's sure. not like the states or England. It's still Ireland. bad luck to
0: get it that many it, times. It though, is yeah. it is
2: bad luck, you know. And, and prior to that, I'd never had food poisoning, you know. Yeah. So. Um, had my my fair share of food poisoning uh, cases, you know, but I'm all right now in Australia. I'm <laughs> yeah. just eating now here; the food's great.
0: How how much is I know you wrote in your blog a lot about like the finances, making it balance. Like for getting to Gabon, probably
2: can't be that cheap, though, can it? Gabon was expen was actually an expensive trip, but I looked at it in terms of the points um, because. I really felt, because when the entry list came out, I felt I was going to win the tournament. I I felt like if I put in half, you know, decent performances, uh, that's 27 points. Now, 27 points don't come easy, you know. Uh, That's semi-finals of a good challenger. And I remember at the time just thinking, uh, plus I think in Gabon they they don't... uh, for the if if you do play, uh, get your prize money they don't charge tax on it. okay. From what I from what I remember. Did you know that before you went there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. cuz it says it on the fact sheet. Oh, yeah. So I decided to go down there anyway because I felt even if I am going to spend a little bit extra money because I I felt that the points were worth it. Yeah. Now, just from all my experience now and from that doing that trip, yeah. I'm not going to go back down there, you know. Yeah. And I'm going to stick to a schedule that's 2014, that's primarily ATPs and, and high level challengers, you know. Yeah. So, uh, no, I won't be coming back there <laughs> no. again, no.
0: But you did, I mean, it's still cool to have the story. It in is cool, back, and yeah. I've,
2: had, I've been to crazy places. Yeah. Uh, I've been to Syria in 2009, oh, wow. uh, like, you know, it's civil war there now. Yeah. And I, I have, I've been to absolutely crazy places, but I remember, will I just tell you about Syria really quick? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, in 2009, we were playing Davis Cup in Cyprus and against, I played Marcus Bagdadis in mm-hmm. the doubles and then the second point of the match I went to hit a serve and I twisted my ankle. And I ended up having like a great two sprain, it was a really yeah, really yeah. bad sprain but because you're playing Davis Cup you have to you know play through it and yeah. and, you know you can't just retire you know, I ended up getting, uh, tape, getting it taped ended up playing the whole match, taking a couple of um, a couple of uh, pills just yeah. to, to numb the pain losing in four sets the, the, the next Sunday, which is, you know, 24 hours later, um, I had a flight to Syria to play this this Futures. And, and from, from Cyprus to Syria, it isn't, isn't that long. Close, yeah, they're pretty close. That's why I had entered it, because I, I thought, that, well, the travel time's, you know, pretty, uh, it, it, doesn't, there's, it only takes two hours and, and it's a week enough Futures. I'm going to go to Syria. But I had the ankle, you know, but I, I decided to play anyway This is a crazy <laughs> story so I end up getting to Syria it's one o'clock in the morning on a sun- Sunday it's midnight yeah. and I have a match scheduled first thing on Monday morning against a local Syrian wildcard at 10am you know and I'm arriving in at one o'clock my bags didn't arrive they got stuck in uh, Jordan in, a, no. in Amman in Jordan uh, so I didn't have any tennis rackets didn't have any tennis shoes and I was hobbling around the airport uh, with, with with a bad ankle yeah. I hadn't eaten anything and so uh, I'm on, and I'm also on my own so I end up Getting a taxi somehow to the airport to the to the hotel, uh, not getting to sleep till about two or three in the morning because there's always, there's always complications in these places. It's never it's never very easy just to check into your hotel. Got about four hours sleep, um, maybe even less, and got up first thing in the morning. Went down to the site, still hobbling, had to borrow a racket, borrow shoes and get ready for this match against a local wildcard who hadn't played an ATP. He was actually a decent player, but had been probably waiting all year for this match. Yeah. Like, it's the biggest match of his life. Yeah. So I'm like half asleep, getting onto the court, thinking to myself, what on earth have I got myself into here? Yeah. Like, you really start asking these sort of deep questions like, like, like wh- why am I putting myself through all this pain you know, right. for one ATP point? so with by the first point of the match we had some guy with a drum the side of the court bam, 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 bam 35 degrees 40 degrees it's absolutely roasting and and I ended up just just there was a point in the match where I just just, just stopped and I thought is, is this really worth it yeah w- w- is this really worth it I can't move I'm using someone else's racket someone else's shoes and I'm playing some guy who wants to kill me you know and I ended up just because the guy wasn't that high a level getting through the match and making yeah. semis that week it wow. ended up being my, one of my best weeks of 2009 you can even look it up and the results 2009 and uh, just sorry that, no, that's, no no that's no, just <laughs> an, that's no just, I appreciate that's stories. just an experience that I had yeah. on the tour that's between going to crazy places and stuff but luckily, luckily enough now I'm off the, sort of the futures tour yeah. as long as I can keep my ranking up and hopefully play the, 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 the better tournaments I mean most challengers are, are quite nice but yeah really at the end of the day you want to be playing the ATP events with you've the had best some good players. wins for the challengers too yeah. I mean Brian Harrison I know that got a lot of
0: people's attention in the US because yeah. he, yeah. he doesn't he not play that many challengers and then to beat him there was pretty good
2: it was yeah. in, in Aptos and I came back from 5-1 in the third set in that, ma- in that match and I'd have to look at who I've beaten I beat uh, Blaz Kavcic who's a top 100 mm-hmm. player I've had a no, n- number of match points over top guys like Sergei Stokowski who beat Wimbledon uh, I had a very close match with Kukush uh, yeah. What did I say? say Stikoski who beat Federer. Yeah, Federer and Wimbledon are synonymous. That's fine. Don't yeah. worry. About it. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? You said
0: Fe- uh, Stikoski who beat Wimbledon.
2: Oh, who beat Wimbledon. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Okay. Fedder who, be- or who beat Federer and Wimbledon. Sorry, my, my mind is <laughs> racing so fast here. And, you know, I had a good match against Michael Kukushkin, who's, who's a top player now. Yeah. And I also had. You know, I had a number of matches over the past 12 months where really, you know, it's obvious that my levels, it's up there, you know. So I'm taking confidence from that and really the next step is just winning more and more of those matches, you know.
0: What do you think separates you now from the top 100 guys?
2: Well, this is where the the finance does come in. It absolutely does play a part, you know. Yeah. I think if you look at most top 100 guys, you like, just have to look around, uh, apart from that guy over there. <laughs> oh, no, there you go. Most guys have a team of people around them, whether, yeah. it's, um, whether it's a coach or their parents or their brother or whoever it is. And I think uh, having that constant uh, assurance as well as technical work on a day-to-day basis that's what really gives you the edge, you know, I've been doing it alone for so long now, but I've also occasionally had a coach, and I haven't been alone 100% of the time, I've also had a coach uh, from time to time like, that, 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 that comes with me or does some work with me on the, on the road, and I also have good coaches in Barcelona where I'm based. Um, but I think I think that would make a huge difference t- to really get me to the next level. But you need the funding to do that, yeah. you know. Um, and it's a huge amount of money like you know, we talked about it before in, in Ireland, I've written a lot about it. I, I, I haven't put down the figures, but even between talking to other tennis players, they say it costs about a hundred thousand euros per year to, to, to really do the tour properly and that's yeah. you know, you're paying the salary of your coach, travelling a lot, paying for your own expenses, you know. And uh, that's the sort of money that you're looking at, you yeah. know. And I'm, I'm not getting that, that sort of funding, and it's very difficult. I'm sure there's a lot of players in, in my boat as well. You know, yeah. I'm not the only one. Um, but I believe, uh, you, ha- you sort of have to go big or go home. There's yeah. no point in just doing it, fifty percent or seventy percent. You have to go all in. You know, the sport. Yeah. I know you talked about it before, but now that you're verge of top two hundred. Is it getting closer to breaking
0: even finance-wise, or are the expenditures higher now that you have to come to Australia and stuff yeah, like that?
2: Yeah, well, this trip is
0: particularly expensive, yeah, uh, yeah. so it's really, really expensive. Would, so would would, would first round qualities cover it, or no?
2: no? I I have to look at the at the cost. I think first round qualities is about three. Threat. For for Wimbledon, it's three thousand five hundred euro or three thousand three hundred pounds. I'm not sure. And there's some
0: travel stipend here, and they give players. Again. Qualities. And there's like a travel stipend here they give
2: players. That's right. They gave they they, they, give, they give players fifteen hundred Australian dollars. That's not bad. It's great, and then on top of your prize money. But you know, had I won today, I would have had an extra three or four thousand in my pocket. You know. Yeah. So it was, it was a tough match to to lose. You know. Uh, you know. But I'm. I, to be perfectly honest uh, Ben I'm not, I, I, tr- I don't think about the money when I'm playing like, yeah. I just think about winning the match you know yeah. uh, and then that, that comes that comes afterwards I mean I made 4,000 last week in Numead from playing the uh, doubles and the singles yeah. there you know which was nice and that's big to get in because not a lot of guys not all the guys can get into
0: warm up event before Australia so Jeez. a lot of people especially the women I know there's no warm-ups, there no challengers down is here, so right? they have to like Play come the, down yeah, for w- the one-off, t- and then it's just, or if they can't get into WT cut-offs because the cut-offs are pretty high, yeah, uh, then they just have one match here, and that's the whole trip, and that's, that's high stakes. That's, that's a lot of pressure. That's high stakes. Yeah, yeah, that's
2: that's very very tough, but yeah, that's the way it is.
0: Yeah. So what what do you think can can be done to make things easier for the James McGee's of the world?
2: Well, one of the things that I have done with my blog JamesMcGeeTennis.com, are you saying for people in general? Are you saying for me or for people in for, general? For people
0: in your sort of situation and players in you, in your sort of stratus of the rankings, I guess. Well, obviously it people people what people, people have talked about. Uh, I know obviously yeah. Well, ask about that. I mean, I know you thought obviously your life would have been a lot different as a tennis player had you been born one island to the, to the east exactly in the LTA yeah. that would have been a whole different situation but who,
2: who knows whether it was good or bad you see yeah. you see, I find from observations that maybe the English guys don't have as much hunger yeah, as me definitely. I've got a, a huge amount of hunger which has brought me this far um, for people that are in my situation that have the hunger and have the uh, maybe you know have the ability you know you, need, you sort of need both yeah. um, it needs to be you know either the prize money needs to increase um, at the challengers at, and futures. The, at the challengers and futures at the lower levels needs to increase so the guys can somehow sustain themselves on the tour because yeah. most guys lose money yeah. dur- during the week on the futures sure. tour um, you know in Ireland we only have one professional tournament per year so you can't yeah. live in what Ireland what level is that? it's a 15k Yeah. so you can't actually live in in, in Ireland and be no. a professional tennis player you have to you know you have to stay out on the road and it's a really I heard in Spain they have a future every single week in Spain uh, something like there are 50 weeks of the year something crazy in Egypt crazy like they that. do in oh, yeah? Egypt they do and in Turkey they do and in, in Spain they've increased it Like yeah. that, that's partly part of the reason why they have such successful players and it is, in Italy as well but in fairness in, in Turkey um, they've won almost every week and they don't have a lot of top Turkish players apart from Marcel Il- Ilhan so it's not the be all and end all having tournaments I just think um think you know certainly the the prize money uh the prize money could increase more at the lower levels and i i, I don't know like there just needs to be some some ways of, yeah. of guys getting 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 uh getting sponsors like I, I i heard now about crowdfunding you're going to see a lot of athletes get into crowdfunding yeah. uh, which like you, you see sites like Kickstarter and stuff yeah, I, saw that, I saw one for tennis already on that really yeah. see, it's called Involved Fan
0: Involved I, Fan yeah. I'm not sure that anybody's really making any money off of it so far no I think because I think, the thing is the problem with like Kickstarter I feel like people the players or the when you do Kickstarter you get like a product in return and for people it's a little bit harder to see what they're they going to get, get back yeah I mean, or some of the things they're offering just are kinda of odd. It's yeah, not, it's like harder. signed tennis ball or yeah. signed T shirt. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a tough one. You know, I've I've heard other people talk about building sites that are yeah. gonna be specifically for sports or for tennis. Right. How do you how do you find sponsors? Because
0: you I know you've had some in the past.
2: One great one thing came from the blog. Yeah. it there's a company in Ireland, Easy Top Easy E T O P uh, which I wore on my thing today, on my T shirt and uh the CEO of that company came across my blog because someone retweeted it, and he sent me an email and said, "James, uh, I'd like to offer you ten thousand euros." Nice. You know, and so I read the email because I have my email. My email is public. Yeah. Uh, purely for those sort of opportunities <laughs> no, that exactly. might arise, and uh, I read it and I was about to delete it because I thought this, this yeah. guy this is this is not true. What this email? You know, some guys just. And then I looked down, I saw like private and confidential. And it looked like very professional. So yeah. I ended up. Contacting him, his name is Mark Roden. Met Mark, and he ended up within two weeks. He'd written a cheque for ten thousand euros. Just for the wearing the patch? Uh, well, we agreed to that. He, he that wasn't his primarily. He was primarily. Uh, it's by the sounds of things, he just wanted to help, you know. Yeah. And I actually was the one who uh, told him that we can wear patches, you know. So. So I have that was one thing, but you know, ten thousand euros isn't going to cover your year. You know, that's just and it helps. It, yeah, it yeah. absolutely helps. Yeah. But um, the other thing that I, that I was lucky enough to have was sponsorship from my local tennis club, Castleknock Lawn Tennis Club, where they actually won a court settlement for planning permission and ended up uh, getting ten million euros. Oh wow! Yeah, 10 mil- an awful lot of money. And I've played for the, you know I've been a member since I was six years old, so they followed my progress and they were more than happy to help. So in sort of end of 2011 start of 2012 that's when they started to, to, to actually fund me and immediately my results started to, to pick up because I could play these tournaments I could have a coach with me from time to time as yeah. I said and I, you know I started to base myself more in Barcelona where there was a better environment and, yeah. and stuff and, and I, I believe you know I believe it all really adds up you know um, so, so that's basically what I've done um, and I've also played league matches from time to yeah. time rely on my own prize money but uh, I certainly I'm still not making a lot a lot then actually for this because I don't have a what happened for this trip um, you know for this trip itself uh, I, I actually don't have a sponsor right now like yeah. this my, my, my club in Ireland uh, are at a point where Especially with clubs, it's very difficult uh, to get funding because you need members to agree on where it's going and stuff. And some members who maybe they're not in the tennis world, they don't understand professional tennis, especially coming from Ireland. They might think, hey, you know, we could spend this money to renovate the club and make it a better club and build this and that. You know, maybe that's better than than supporting James McGee. And that's fair (laughs) enough. That's their own opinion, you know. Um, and then obviously the money that I received from Easy Top isn't gonna—it didn't—I yeah. spent that ages ago. So this money this uh, trip itself is all of my own personal money, which, you know, is, you know, as I said, from prize money and stuff, and and it's it, it goes quickly. But I'm also happy that I made some money yeah. this trip with the with the event in Noumea, and then and then obviously this week. But it would have been nice to want one more match mm, at least. Yeah, sure. What, what's next for you? Um... You know, I'm 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 sticking to. You know, I could go. A lot of guys are actually going back to Europe, and they're, you know, they're going into the cold and uh, they're going on the indoor courts and stuff. I'm actually, I believe my best tennis is. I play my best when I'm sort of outdoor and I'm in in, in, in warm environments. So there's a challenger next week. In of all places, it's it's in Hawaii. Oh yeah, that's a big yeah. Waikolo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 So um, Maui, yeah, I which guess. is. To be honest, that is extravagant. That's a great place to be, and it's a it's a good time of year. So I'm I'm excited to play that. Uh, The cost of flights to get there will be expensive, but the reason why I'm going there is because I actually want to spend at least two a a month to two months in the states after that anyway. So it makes no sense to go to Europe and then to the states. I I want to try to get into like uh, the Dallas one, I guess. Dallas is a possibility, but what I was thinking of was. there's one indoor tournament. There's Memphis, Memphis and then all yeah. the rest are outdoor. There's like Delray. Delray Beach. There's Dallas, and then there's maybe Acapulco, and or Acapulco, and then maybe Dallas you know and what, Indian Wells. You know what? The, what would the, I was
0: wondering what would the qualities cut off be roughly for Indian Wells? Do you know of any sense I could, of that?
2: Couldn't tell you. I, I, yeah. I'd say I'd say it's gotta be it's gotta be inside top top 200, yeah. but it can drop as well. Like you know, between guys pulling out and alternates and all that, you can always get lucky. You know, yeah. so. Uh, I'm not sure what it's going to be. If I, if I'm not going to get in, I'll just use it as a practice week. I've got a lot of, a lot of uh, contacts in the states. I've got um, one coach who's in in Atlanta. I've got uh, this guy Larry Jervis who coaches Sharon Fitzman in, in Vancouver, which isn't too far of a flight, it's depending on where you are in the states. Yeah. I've got another friend, Jeff Salzenstein, who's in Colorado, mm-hmm. um, and then you know just got sort of friends here and okay. there throughout the states so i can always train there on the road i mean are you your lone irish guy out here touring a
0: lone irish guy do you feel like i mean you don't have a coach are you sort of a loner on tour or do you socialize
2: with american guys or how does that um, work or British I, I, guy, i'd, be, I'd is. be one of the i get on well with everyone so yeah. i i am sure, i certainly don't have any enemies on the tour or anything sure. like that and and i wouldn't i hope someone wouldn't really have a bad <laughs> word to say like i mean i i'm pretty respectful of everyone and and, and you need you need to be sort of because yeah. between arranging practices and and getting doubles partners you can't be you can't you just have to get on well with people yeah. here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of downtime and there's a lot of moments spent on my own. It, it, I've had some really rough moments to be honest uh, on my own, uh, especially after losses, especially going back to a hotel room. Uh, you know, after a, 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 say a match you should have won or you had match points or whatever, and you're in. Of all places you 're in Romania, I remember that experience in Romania this year you know I was on my own and and you you really have those soul searching moments like why am I doing this? you know this yeah. is really painful you know whereas if you had a team, you had a coach, you had the money, you had all that support it's they get behind you they they trust you and they say listen let 's get back to work where this is a plan and 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 you're you 're motivated and energized so for me um, I've my strategy to to stay positive is to read a lot of motivational and inspirational books, spiritual books, all that sort of stuff. That really adds up, and I spend time on YouTube watching that stuff because because it's very easy to get down on yourself in this yeah. sport. You know, you, in your mentality and your mind is everything. So for me, that's what I try to focus on. Um, and and that's really it you know it, it, it's a really tough it, it's a really it can be absolutely amazing lifestyle when you're winning and when you're losing you just it has to be really tough you know you got to be very mentally tough to, to play the sport I think yeah. you know you, and, and the desire has to be there which which I have you know and I never have really doubted my desire it's more all the, the finances yeah. and the coaches and all that sort of stuff that's been the, the problem you know yeah. but I'm really hoping I'm hoping that eventually one day I can do it you know I'm pretty close I'm only 100 and Ten or fourteen places away from being top hundred, you know. Mm-hmm. And you, you know yourself, yeah. like the the margins in these games are nothing, talented, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, exactly. So that's that's where I'm sort of at. You so what's know?
0: what's your long term goal? I guess for next year, for, for for your for your career, I guess. What what, what what do you wanna what do you wanna In terms of
2: rank, in terms of numbers, in terms of however and, you wanna define it. I think for me, it's it's more like getting the most out of yourself and not having any regrets. You know, that's yeah. really how I look at it. Like. Like, I don't want to leave any stone unturned with my career. Like, uh, you, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of anything, really, in terms of missing a practice. Like, I don't want to miss the practice. I, I want to go to the gym. I want to work hard so that, let's say I'm finished at, I don't know, let's say I'm finished at 33 or 34. I can look back and say, like, yeah, I did everything. No regrets. And, and I'm, I have that mentality now. Like, I don't have any regrets about anything. I've just... There's just been a lot of tough times and and bad luck. Bad luck comes from time to time, you know. And uh, in terms of numbers, like yeah, I want to be made into all these tournaments, like yeah. like, come on, <laughs> like who doesn't, you know? Yeah. There's great crowds. It's a lot of fun, you know. It's brilliant, you know. And then and then there's the bonus of the money, you know. There's 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 great money in, in it when you when you are top hundred and and there's loads of things that come with that. Uh, but I just think. I just think I just want to I want to do my best, you know. And I think I think it's funny you ask that because I'm reading a great book at the moment called Start with Why. It's written by a guy called Simon Sinek, and it talks about the importance of knowing your why as to why you're doing something. Yeah. Like, a lot of people are in it for the money and the fame, and gradually you'll see that they fall off. But if you're in it for the love of the sport, like someone like Federer who always talks about, you can really maintain and, yeah. uh, and sustain your career. Um, and I, my real why is I I I love the sport. I love to compete, uh, but I also feel I can make a difference uh, to tennis in Ireland. Like now, there's there is an Irish support. Like I know I, I only have like a thousand people following me on 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 Facebook or or you know fifteen hundred on on Twitter, but I just think we have great athletes in in Ireland, and I'd like yeah. to be that guy. That that sort of did it, you know. I'd like to be that guy that said, "Well, if James McEveen can do do it, I can do it." He's just a normal lad, you know. So that's that's really why I'm doing it, uh, for myself, for other people, and uh, just for for peace of mind, you know. You talked about the tough times that you've had. What what was what's the high point so far? What's the best moment? The high point, I think. um, I think the journey itself. I wouldn't say. I wouldn't say one one moment. I think it's the people you meet it's the it's the matches, it's the practice, it's sort of everything combined. Yeah. that's really the high point you know uh, there's not one match that Harrison match was a was a great match to win yeah. because of coming back from five one and a top 100 guy that was a real that was a real thriller you know to win that. but I would just say just everything in general, just being here is pretty it just sort of gradually happens you know I, I don't yeah. really have one high point I think playing for your country is a great. Uh, a high point as well, and and just and you got the wristbands. So yeah, I did. got the wristbands yeah. yeah, so just everything really, like uh, just sort of, just the day to day thing is the high point, you know. Yeah. You know. I saw I saw on your site you practised with Nadal. Mm. How did that happen? The um, academy where I train at it's called BTT. Um, Francis Roy, who's one of Nadal's coaches, uh, is, is one of the owners of the academy, one of the directors, I should say. And uh, Francis just came up to me in January last year. Said Rafa's around for two days to want to hit. I said, Yeah. Fine. Where was that? That was in. That was in Barcelona. Barcelona yeah. And so we Rafa came over from Majorca. Uh, got on the clay with him. I'd been actually been practicing on hard for for a couple of couple of weeks. So I got on the clay with him, which was tough. And, yeah. and he's just yeah, he's an animal. The guys, the guys, a, the guys, a machine. You know, he's a he's a, he's a really nice guy. Very focused. Very intense. Yeah. And just a fantastic tennis player. So, like, <laughs> I did two days with him, really, really intense, and, and that was that, you know. Well, yeah. All you. yeah, appreciate it, Jay. Yeah, don't no worry, nice to, talk to you. Out of luck. And the reason that you had to kill the traffic is stuck,
1: and you're not moving anywhere, you thought you found
2: a friend to take you out. Place someone you can lend a hand in return for grace, so beautiful.